You are listening to the third season of the co-production podcast brought to you by Cineuropa and Eurimage. I am Domenico, and in today's episode, we are discussing the co-production of The Promised Land, a film previously known as Kingsland and titled Bastarden in its original Danish language. Promised Land is written and directed by Nikolai Arsen. It premiered in the competition of the latest Venice Film Festival, and it will be soon released a little bit all over the place. We will discuss that with the three co-producers of the film that we have the pleasure to welcome today. Uh, it's a collaboration between Denmark, Germany, and Sweden. So guys, may I ask you to introduce yourself, starting with you, Louise. Yes, uh, my name is Louise Vest. I'm a producer at Centropa. I have stayed with Centropa since 2001. So I'm both very old and uh, not very experienced in a lot of different jobs. Um, Centropa was founded in uh, 1992 by uh, Lars von Trier together with uh, his producer Peter Ulbeck Jensen. They are both still around, uh, but of course a lot of things has happened since then. I think Centropa is uh, known uh, quite widely in the world, uh, both for for the Dogma movies and especially also for all of uh, Lars von Trier's uh, works uh, since Europa and Centropa was created after that. Uh, I think also uh, some will know that Centropa is also the production company of uh, Susanne Beer's Danish movies and Thomas Winterberg's Danish movies and uh, we have of course also made a lot of other films and TV series uh, all the years since since it all started. We mainly focus on the very strong original films uh, with a strong national audience but also with a very strong international outside. Uh, we do a lot of we have a lot of activities on our films at festivals and we are also participating in festivals just to and markets to to finance new projects i think uh, everybody has some kind of an idea on what is going on at centropa i think we succeeded in making a more modern uh, company the last years and we have a very collective management. We are four people together in the management and no one is only being a manager. We are doing, you know, what we have to do. Thank you, Louise. Uh, it's uh, important to mention that you are speaking uh, in the name of Centropa uh, Denmark, or the, the, the main company. But uh, Fabian and Lisette here, you're also from Centropa. And uh, Fabian, you are from Centropa. So we are in a case of a co-production between uh, sister companies uh, of, the same, uh, of the same group. Uh, so Fabian, can you also introduce yourself? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Fabian Gasmier. And I co-produced uh, the film alongside Katja Lebedeva here on behalf of Centropa Berlin. I joined the Centropa family in 2014. I just figured before this call, so I'm already on board since nine years. Incredible. And I remember how when I introduced myself to the company uh, with quite some other companies, I think from the Hamburg region at that time, 
I, I said uh, from the beginning, I really, really want to do a film with Nikolai Assel because I had just seen the beautiful, the wonderful Royal Affair, a film that I truly love. And, uh, and I was really, really excited when Louisa told me some years ago, listen, we have something now and we will do this film. And uh, it was really such a pleasure and such an honor to be part of the new project of Nikolai now. And we also have with us uh, Sweden. Hello, Lisette. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Lisette Jondic and I represent Centropa Sweden, based uh, at the west coast of Sweden in Gothenburg. And uh, Centropa Sweden was established in 2009. And I started at the company in 2014, the same as you, Fabian. So let's celebrate 10 years next year. Uh, and here in Sweden, we, we do both national productions and a lot of international co-productions. Okay, thank you. So the film premiered at the latest uh, Motta di Venezia. Um, so a lot of people still didn't have the chance to, to, to watch it in a cinema. So maybe, Luis, you can walk us through a short pitch of the story of the film? Bastaten is a film uh, that takes us back in the 1700s of in Denmark. Uh, we are following uh, the captain Ludwig Kalen, and he decided to try to cultivate uh, the very, very rough heath in Denmark at that time. It was tried before and no one really had the luck. He's a very stubborn man and, and he is dreaming about uh, becoming one of uh, those men that you really uh, want to invite for the, for the, for the good and nice um, parties uh, together with the other uh, royal uh, people in, in Denmark at that time. So his ambition is to, to crawl up the, the stairs in society and, and he's very eager to, to make this happen. The problem is that uh, he is walking into the to, to the land of the king, but uh, all the landowners in, in Jutland at that time, uh, because we are actually based on a real story, they uh, felt that this land was theirs. So they are not uh, quite happy about uh, someone coming in trying to to settle down and also wanting to invite a lot of uh, people from the south to settle there together with them. So, so of course, there's a lot of um, there's there's a fight going on in this film between Ludwig and um, a landowner, uh, Frederick Schinkel. And uh, what what we experience during the film is that um, Carlin creates kind of a family around him and in the end of course he has to choose uh, between his ambitions and and the family that has grown around him so it's funny that you you speak about family because matt mickelson who is playing the, the the main character in the film is also a member of the zentropa family i mean he's, uh, he's kind of born uh, in the in the zentropa family how how is it to, to, to uh, convince Matt to, to be part of a, of a Danish film uh, today? Is it something that he really uh, wants to do? Does he have space to do that? Or is it uh, more of a negotiation? Uh, because I guess now he's more busy uh, than what he used to. 
Yes, I I mean, Mass is always, of course, very busy. Uh, he's become a very, very well-known uh, actor, also internationally. So, of course, it also always has to do with calendars. I think Mass, Mass has his whole career been quite good at uh, choosing uh, projects he wants to, to do, especially the Danish ones, in my opinion. And... Um, He did a royal affair with with Nikolai and was convinced that at that time that that story was 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 a right pick for him and I think that turned out to be a a, a, a very well um, well known and 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 a very very good film and it traveled a lot and I think that was that that was something that he really liked and he liked to work with Nikolai the director and uh, so I don't think it was that difficult for him to choose to to also be in this film it's written by Nikolai and uh, also Anna's Thomas Jensen uh, who is another director Danish director that Mess has uh, done a lot of films together with so yeah it kind of uh, it kind of I think went uh, the natural way that that these people wanted to to work together again and the story is of course written. And the part is written for mass. And of course, it is again a very ambitious film. Um, I guess also an expensive picture. Uh, can you tell us about the, the budget? Mm, definitely, I I will uh, I will take a look because we had to raise the budget uh, uh, a couple of times during the whole process of the film. This film has we have been working me and Fabian and Lisette with this film for years. It was a very complicated financing also from the start, but uh, obviously it became uh, even more uh, complicated with uh, Corona. We were heading out of Corona, but uh, the budget was made in a time where the world looked different. So uh, with the post-Corona inflation and Uh, also, um, the work supply uh, issues we had. Uh, Fabian can talk a lot more about that. Um, but we had to raise the budget. So the budget um, is now around 10 million euro. But there's a lot to talk about. And I think, Fabian, uh, I think you have some very clear points on what have have hit us here in um, in Europe. No, you, I think you you summed it up already perfectly well. We were in the perfect storm. Like this corona was still around. And uh, uh, in most parts of our shooting, it would have not been insured if, for example, one of the main cast would have been in hospital for a week or two. On, on such a big film, we are speaking more than a million euros in damages. And that in a situation... But our budget that we initially financed was at around 8 million euros. So basically on the first day of shooting, we knew we are 2 million euros short only because of inflation and only because of the shortages of all the different things. Hotels, for example, couldn't give us rooms because they didn't have cleaning ladies. They all found a new job during the pandemic. We couldn't find materials to build and to construct because uh, the container ships to China didn't travel. It all now sounds like a uh, like a distance, uh, long past distance, but it's 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 actually only one year ago that we were in the middle of this perfect storm. And I really have to applaud Louisa, who said, "Okay, we are two million short. Let's go and find it, and let's make sure 
we will we will end this film uh, in budget and in time. And it's really due to Louise's incredible strength and smartness and getting people convinced to help us out in this in the situation that we were not responsible for, basically. It was really exterior factors collect, collapsing above us that she solved all of that. And it's a big, big shout out to all our financiers. Some of them agreed to stay on board, even though we had to reduce uh, the elements we could spend in the region because we had to add other regions. So a big shout out and thank you to them and a big shout out to people who, who, who in the end, enabled us to make this film as it is. Uh, Lisette, did you enter the, the production in that context? No, no, no. I was on this roller coaster together with uh, Luisa and Fabian. So we, we just, you know, we were holding hands together on this roller coaster, like, you know, every co-production is in a way. So, uh, no, I was a part, but we didn't have any shooting in Sweden. Uh, so... We weren't affected in that way, shooting-wise. Uh, it was uh, Fabian and Luisa that controlled that part of the production. But uh, as Fabian said, a big shout-out to the producers, uh, no, to the financiers, of course, that helped us, uh, and to uh, Luisa, because for us producers to be able to control this kind of project, you know, we needed to keep it close uh, and rely on each other and trust each other. You said there was no shooting in, in Sweden. I guess there was a lot of shooting in, in Denmark, but also studio in Germany. It seems it's like that, but I, I, I cannot say for sure. Do you confirm this? Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, we started out actually having an, an idea on... Uh, I mean, that was also some of the thing that happened early on in the process that... It's very, very difficult to shoot in a lot of countries. I mean, all producers, uh, if there are any listening to this, will know that the more places you have, the more countries you have where you have to open up production, the more difficult it gets because you have to have triple crew and triple stuff. We started out wanting to shoot this only in one country and then very quickly we saw that we had to open up uh, also for the Czech uh, shootings because some of the things we needed to do was so complicated and they are very specialized in these things. So we opened up for, for the Czech shooting and then I thought that this film happening on the Danish Heath would be something that you actually could do. I mean, making a period piece out in nature, that sounds quite easy, right? <laughs> but it turned out to to be the most difficult part of the film because the heath is the most protected area, land uh, is the most protected uh, land you have in Europe, all over Europe. So it was extremely difficult. And then we ended up, Going back to where it all happened in Denmark, there we found a way uh, with a lot of help for from the local authorities uh, to find a way where we could actually shoot where it all happened hundreds of years ago, which was, of course, also amazing that uh, we found a way to do that. In that case, it, it was absolutely impossible for us to shoot anything. Also in Sweden, we have a long, long uh, co-production tr tradition with Sweden. And 
Uh, Lisette is, of course, uh, her own company and also do a lot of uh, other production than the ones with Centropa. We knew that we, we, we had a lot of things in common and we also had a lot of Swedish uh, crew uh, members and also did a lot of our post-production in, um, in Sweden. And we know each other very well and I think that's the strength of co-productions is that when you start getting to know each other Fabian and I did um, uh, a thriller uh, film series together where we produced uh, most of it in Germany. So I think when we, Lisette and Fabian and I, we really have worked together for a lot of time, which also means that we are very, very good at uh, finding new ways to get our crew members to work together. We are very experienced on how to get different types of crew to actually uh, work on the same uh, film crew. I think this is very, very... I'm saying that just as a as, a, as an audience member. Uh, I think it's very visible in the films. I mean, the, the, the level of quality, of course, there's production value, uh, but, but there's also... You can tell that you guys are adding up to each other and, and getting most of what... Uh, because I, I was expecting a budget higher than this. I mean, of course, 10 million is a, is a sizable budget, but uh, what you see on screen... Uh, seems uh, seems uh, even even bigger, and I think Rimage understood that as well. Uh, you received quite um, a, a nice support from the fund. Do, do you remember how much you got? It was four hundred seventy thousand euros, right? If I remember correctly. Yes, uh, and I think they always take out a little bit for some kind of an administration. I mean, without Euromash, it's not possible to produce these uh, huge, big uh, European co-productions. Absolutely impossible. And I think that uh, now they have changed the system and, and, and I'm really curious about how that will work because I think that um, I, was, uh, I was really much for uh, the way uh, they did it where they actually got all the countries and the representatives from the countries to meet uh, four times a, a year. And, and I totally accept that we now have to care about the 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 climate uh, and we have to find new ways to meet but i also think that we have to care about the cultural um uh, environment around uh, the european countries and the only way to to get closer to each other is to meet in person and to discuss and i think that euromash was 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 really uh, and 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 still are hopefully a a hub where uh, you actually get to to work together, also in person, and also going and visit each other country and producing in each other's countries can be done in a in a better and climate uh, friendly way. But it's still very important to exchange ideas and way of working and so on. And I hope that the new system is not taking the decision makers too far away from the actual. Um, feel of uh, of of uh, of the cultural um, meeting between countries, uh, and and only becomes some kind of anonymous um, way of uh, some somebody that you don't know who are are sitting somewhere and reading what you're doing. I think we should really fight for 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 the ability to meet each other and to. Uh, 
and to and to work together also in 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 person but for us we couldn't have made this film if if we didn't have the support for from Uimash and i think that it's absolutely crucial for the for the high budget uh, co-producers in europe Thank you for raising that point. Uh, we will soon publish an interview of uh, Susan Newman, and this will be part uh, of our questions. Uh, you're right; there are always changes. They always try to adapt to the to the, the situation. It's an ever-changing landscape, uh, and co-production between so many countries uh, is uh, is not an easy thing. Um, I, I would like to, to talk a little bit now about um, the distribution of the film. So the film premiered, uh, was it already released in, in Denmark or in, um, in, in Sweden or in Germany? No, uh, we, we have only had our festival premieres until now. We will, um, we will soon visit Fabian in, uh, in Hamburg on the Hamburg Film Festival. And we have been in, in Venice, Telluride, Toronto and going to San Sebastian. Uh, next week and uh, we have the national Danish premiere at the 5th of October um, the Swedish premiere will be probably early next year no date is settled there yet uh, and Fabian I don't know if there's anything new about the German premiere we still try to manage to release it at the end of this year um, But uh, in Germany, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of that, everything has to be dubbed into the German language. So we basically have to wait till the voice of Mats Mikkelsen is available, till we have everything translated. It's a kind of obscure process, uh, and I never like the dubbed versions. But without it, you cannot release a film in Germany. But we have a very good distributor on board. They came already on board based on the package. Uh, they used to be called Koch Films, uh, the company behind the huge success of Parasite in Germany, and now they're called Plyon Films. They're really, really good in what they do. And I'm still amazed that how Zentropa mastered it out of Denmark to finance films in the Danish language uh, based on Danish cast, Danish directors, and Danish screenplays in a substantial way as almost no other country in Europe is capable of. I would say possibly only France, and maybe sometimes Spain or Italy. But in Germany, that actually would not happen. So I find this very inspiring to see how Zentropa has mastered this. And uh, even more so, it is, um, it is also a, a cultural uh, Denmark event. I mean, this is happening. It's part of uh, Denmark history, and uh, it's totally open for an international audience. Everybody can uh, really immerse Uh, themselves in in that film. So in what you said, and I, I think it's a good way to conclude because the loop is closing back on, on, on Matt Mikkelsen because now you have to wait that his voice is available. So he, you are also kind of a victim of his own success, even though having him in the film, I'm sure, is a, it's a great marketing uh, leverage. It's already time uh, to finish this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, feel free to subscribe to the Co-Production Podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, or whatever your favorite podcast platform may be. I want to thank Creative Europe for supporting Cineropa over the years, and of course, Eurimage for backing up this program for the third season in a row. And uh, I want to thank you, dear guests, Luis, Fabian, and Lisette. Uh, we were very pleased to have you today in the co-production podcast. I recommend everyone uh, who is listening to watch Promised Land. And please, dear co-producers, keep collaborating and making films together for us to enjoy. Bye-bye.